Welcome to the Full Effects podcast, Currency Matters. My name is Colin Lambert, publisher of the Full Effects, and this episode is in association with FX Hedgepool. And I'm delighted to be joined by co-founder and CEO of FX Hedgepool, Jay Moore. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Colin. Great to be here as always. Um, at the start of the year, um, we chatted for another podcast, actually, and um, you predicted you know, an increased cost of hedging as volatility and, I guess, regulatory impact that we've all been waiting for finally occurred. Um, first of all, how does it feel to actually have a prediction go right? I don't really understand that concept at all, as we all know. But secondly, and more seriously, I mean, how have you seen your clients' behavior play out against this background of increased volatility and regulation? Yeah, I mean, as, you, as you'd expect, I mean, whenever there's more volatility, there's more uncertainty from, you know, the market and therefore the banks tend to price that in to the, to the you know, the spreads in the, in the market. And so the cost of hedging has increased, the cost of trading more generally has increased, the scrutiny around the, you know, regulatory environment has increased, things like SACR have put more pressure on banks um, in, in terms of being able to monetize and get a return on the capital requirements of doing these trades. So there's a lot of just discussion and and overall sort of you know retrospective uh, thinking about what's going you know, where where does this head and how how are how is the buy side reacting to that with respect to its trading behavior and I think you know as a result the buy side and the sell side to be quite frank are trying to find more optimal ways to be you know efficient in their trading and, and reduce costs because at the end of the day you know we all have responsibilities to investors and and those are the ones that you know matter. So, you know, I think the buy side is just looking for better ways. Uh, and the sell side is equally looking for better ways to support the buy side. Um, and, and for us, you know, that results in a lot more interest in, in concepts like peer-to-peer and, and alternative ways of, of sourcing liquidity, safe liquidity, transparent liquidity, and fairly priced liquidity. And I guess one of the, I guess, planks of the hedge pool design originally was the separation of liquidity and credit. And that must play out even in a much more stronger fashion in volatile markets. It strikes me when you can actually have a broader liquidity pool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, this concept of separating out the liquidity from the credit was, you know, we were trying to focus on this idea of familiar but novel, right? People understand how markets operate and that, you know, if you want to get a price from a bank today, you have to have a credit relationship with that bank. And 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 you know, if you think about credit as as one circle and and liquidity as the other circle uh, in a Venn diagram, you know those two circles having to overlap really has a massive constraint on the ability to source liquidity from other places. Um, you're really limited in who you can get your pricing from. And so, you know, when we started Hedgepool and and wanted to find this peer to peer community specifically for swaps, where Credit was an essential component of that, which is different than the spot market. We had to solve for that. And so, you know, that has really allowed a lot more different ways to think about these things and, and you know, enables the buy side to provide liquidity to each other, but also allows the banks to then monetize their balance sheet where they're not getting paid and they're not participating in these in these um, these trades anyway. So that that's really opened things up and 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 I think that's opened a lot of minds and it's allowed us to think about different things uh different ways to evolve the products as well but definitely it's an like I said it's a novel idea familiar in that it's using bilateral trading relationships but novel enough that you know 3 years uh, since we started the company I mean we're starting to get people really starting to think about 
this is a natural progression of the market and not just a, a sort of a new and shiny thing anymore. And I guess also, I mean, you, know, you mentioned Saka earlier on, you know, there's a huge focus on capital efficiency, the availability of credit more generally. In a structured environment like this, is it easier to actually sort of, you know, direct your trades where you want to direct them to actually reduce your capital exposure? Yeah, I mean, it's been a focus for, I think, the market in general for a long time, right? The buy side feels the pressure because the sell side has to, you know, uh, the pricing has to reflect that. And we've seen spreads widen throughout the year. We've seen certain banks sort of pulling back um, from, from participating in the swaps market. But just overall, between volatility and pressure on balance sheet, there's definitely been an observed widening of spreads that the, the buy side feels. But also, you know, the sell side is, is obviously feeling this, and that's the cause of it. But it's creating, I'd say, capacity constraints. Um, and, and so banks are saying, look, if I'm going to use my balance sheet for trading swaps, it needs to be worth the return on capital for that, that, that balance sheet. And so that's obviously why they're widening their spreads out and, and not being as competitive. So, you know, there's other ways, um, you know, that we've been thinking about in terms of the model we've created that I think can be really impactful for both the buy side and the sell side in that, you know, there's more optimal ways that a, buy, that a sell side firm can actually monetize the balance sheet. You know, those, those again, we're talking about, you know, these large top tier banks who, you know, either are great in pricing or great in terms of the size of their balance sheet and the quality of their credit. And there's very few where that overlaps. And so if we can work together with the banks that have balance sheet capacity and they want to put that to use uh, using credit as a service, um, and those are many of the banks that are participating on hedge pool, that's generating new sources of revenue for them. And on the other side, you've got banks that are providing great pricing, but perhaps because of their balance sheet constraints are unable to distribute that pricing. So, you know, using the model we've created, are there ways that we can actually get the best of both worlds and ultimately, again, deliver the better results for the buy side? So, obviously, thus far, FX Hedgeball has very much been about the FX swaps. Um, and we've discussed that a few times, but um, I think it was back in June, you announced plans to move into the spot market. That's right. How's that progressing? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, the, the, the interest is very high. Um, you know, we've, Obviously, the spot market is a is a pretty um, saturated market in many ways. There's, there's, there's a lot of liquidity. There's non-bank, there's bank liquidity, uh, there's peer-to-peer -peer solutions out there. Um, and that's not really the space we want to be in. Where we think there's value in what we offer is more around the benchmark WMR pricing. And the reason for that is that, again, I mean, we're, we're trying to create more certainty and more transparency in this, not just another venue. Um, and WMR spot the same way uh, for the same reasons that swaps generally related to the passive hedging um, community, there's predictability in it. There's information leakage, right? If you want to do a WM spot benchmark trade because your portfolio manager, you know, requires it, the banks need you to send that trade, you know, 30 minutes before the fix, right? And that information is valuable. And but there's no alternative, right? What what are banks to do? They're they're, they're expected to provide a service, they have to manage that risk. Ultimately, you know, this pre-notification of a trade or in the world of swaps, I mean, just the knowledge that everybody has about what most of the buy side is doing on any given month at what time and what direction, that information is just so, um, you know, has such an impact on, on, on the market. And that has a negative um, impact on the price that ultimately the, the buy side clients uh, receive. 
So for us, you know, the idea is the same. Um, it's really about taking that those trades off the market. Um, and you know, you you've um, you know, you're famous for writing about you know the WMR and the volatility uh, around that. And and you know, I think the idea is the more you can get outside of that five minute window um, and, and and remove it from the market altogether, the less volatility there should be, and, and the safer we can take that. And so peer to peer and and even beyond that, being a source of you know, liquidity for, for the banks um, is in, in more of an all-to-all -all sense, I think just makes a lot of sense uh, for WMR fixings. I mean, I certainly agree with you. The more we can get away from that five-minute window, the better it will be because, you know, I think to your point, yes, you know, the reason these deals have to be submitted to the banks, you know, up to 30 minutes before is because, first of all, to achieve a net if they can, but we physically cannot transact the amount we're trying to transact in a five-minute window. So it has to be done before. Yeah, and and I'm sympathetic and in, in, in to the banks in many ways. I mean, what choice do they have? There's an expectation, there's a requirement to make markets, and so you know, but but taking away the ability for them to manage that risk puts them in a really tough spot. And what's going to happen? I mean, pre-hedging risk is a, is obviously a major uh, talking point in the market now. I mean, Esma just put out a, a study or, or a, um, um, a paper they're working on around this topic, I think particularly in the equity markets, but it translates to FX probably really, uh, really, really well. Um, that it, it, there has to be a need for, or the ability for banks to manage their risk. And if you take that away, what's gonna, you know, what that'll translate to is wider spreads because the uncertainty, the spread is a function of uncertainty, right? So either way, the, you know, the investors are going to, are gonna lose. So, you know, our, our conviction, uh, our strong conviction is that the, the only way to really avoid that is by finding two naturally offsetting positions, whether that's between two peers or two entities. It could be, you know, a, a buy side and a buy side, a buy side, a corporate, a sell side and a sell side, whatever you have, wherever there is the ability to find a natural offset, that reduces the need to trade in the market and therefore should benefit this pre-hedging concern. I mean, obviously, like netting solutions exist for WM, and others have launched and haven't really gained any traction and have subsequently shut down. So, I mean, is your sort of USP here going to be your existing network around your, you know, your swaps, your, your, what we can now call your traditional business? Um, a whole three years old, but a very successful three years, I might say. But you know, is that where you sort of lean into to get to get something like this um, kickstarted? Yeah, I mean, we didn't. I wouldn't say that we would have started, the, you know, the company and the business around this idea. But it's a natural progression for um, for what we're doing and what we built. And you know, I think again, if you go back to the sort of this idea of separating liquidity from the credit, the the the, the potential uh, for that model goes so far beyond swaps, spot, you know, in the WM space, into so many different things around capital utilization um, and, and balance sheet optimization and, and just liquidity in general, that it's really what we want to focus on is, is broadening, uh, broadening our overall product suite to service, at the end of the day, create more efficiency in the market. I mean, this is, Hedgepool started as a peer-to-peer -peer product idea. Uh, but because of what we built, it's, you know, we really look at this as a market structure play. And, you know, the idea for us is around challenging the status quo to create more efficiency. And this is for everyone's benefit in the market. This is not a buy side versus sell side community. This is about everybody's 
facing the same challenges and how can we be part of the solution to help this become a more efficient marketplace? Well, I mean, certainly I think pre-hedging is a challenge for both sides. You know, the buy side are giving up information that maybe not be, it's not optimal to do so. And the sell side without it is in an impossible position when it comes to managing risk, as you say. So, and, and I guess my point is always the same. When a regulator puts out a consultation paper about something, our antenna should be tweaked because it means they're looking at it and that rarely goes away. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I think that's, you know, like you said, when the consultation paper comes out, everybody's uh, paying attention. And, you know, I think there are, you know, th- these issues will never go away completely. But the more that we can do and play our part in, in, in moving it in the right direction, the better. And that's, that's really, I think, you know, I, I, like I said, our conviction is that peer-to-peer, just naturally offsetting positions is a really good step in the right direction to, to minimize that, that pre-hedging risk as a whole. So I guess to close out, Jay, I mean, I'm, it, it is three years since FX Hedgepool launched and, you know, you've gone from strength to strength achieved new funding just a couple of months ago. Um, you're hitting milestones, you know, more than four trillion a few months ago was matched off, wasn't it? Um but you are I guess there's validation in this, but you are now facing increased competition. There's a lot more buzz about the peer-to-peer space. So how do you look to stay ahead in what is, you know, a, a field you no longer have pretty much to yourself? Yeah, no, I like I, the way you put it is just right. I mean, it's validation, right? I think three years ago it was a concept that people were talking about. Um, you know, I, I, we're, we're really proud of what we've been able to do to, to convince people that it's possible, and and not only possible, it's 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 an important part of, the, of where the markets are going. So that's really essential for us. But I think again, you know, the the future for us is really around building out a a, a business that. Centered around this this optimization of liquidity uh, and 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 optimizing credit as well. So I think for us, uh, we've got the, an incredibly strong technology foundation. We've got an incredibly strong network of buy side firms as well as sell side firms that put us in a unique place to be able to you know understand both the challenges both challenges of both sides of the market and apply what we've learned and what we built to help sort of continue creating more efficiency um, in, in the market as a whole. Do you see? Do you see part of it also as being, for instance, greater integration into you know, key market infrastructure and, and client mechanisms? I mean, absolutely. I mean, we wouldn't be here where we are today without making those investments. I mean, for us, the technology is you know being able to do what we've done, but being integrated with the um, the workflows of, of the market has been essential. I mean, having uh, you know, being a first-class citizen of the Aladdin Order Management System, as well as Charles River, you know, puts us on the map, on the screens of you know, 80, 90 percent of the of the buy side, um, you know, desktop. So in that being being part of that ecosystem and that technology um, infrastructure is, is is critical to be able to you know easily access what we built. Otherwise, you know, the first couple of years was really trying to convince people to do things differently. Um, and certain, you know, certain firms are, are more, um, you know, uh, designed mentally to, to sort of go in that direction um, and others are not. And, and so it's our, our job to keep chipping away at those barriers and, and making it easier and easier to access. Well, all I can say is, um, apart from thank you for just getting me excited like a kid at Christmas over the fact that we can talk about pre-hedging and WMR. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, I find this space quite fascinating. And I do think it's evolved. What I think is really interesting is how it's evolving from what seemed to be a fairly simple concept in 2017, 18, when you were sort of yeah, first discussing it uh, with me and with others. Um, it's just how the whole space is evolving and I guess becoming a life form of its own. Yeah, I mean, I think people just sort of accept now that this is part of the um, part of the landscape, and that's that's something that we're really proud of. Quite rightly so. So, um, well, Jay, as always, great to talk to you, and thanks so much for joining the podcast. Likewise, thanks a lot, Colin. It's a pleasure. And to all our listeners, as always, thanks for listening, and um, we'll be back again very soon. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Full Effects podcast, Currency Matters. This Evolution Series episode was brought to you in association with FX Hedgepool. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and you can download previous episodes, register for our newsletter, view our upcoming events, and much more at thefulleffects.com.